From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, this is Crosswalk. Pastor Clay's on vacation this week. With this week's message, here's Steve Pierce. I want to do something different this morning, okay? I want to take you to seminary. Many refer to it as the cemetery, okay? Because people are scared of doctrine. They're scared of, of, of doctrine is dead and dry and boring. But one of the privileges of, that I've had in my life is I've been able to lecture at a seminary. And, and so what I want to do today is I want us to imagine we're in a seminary class. Okay? Subject, Systematics 101. Okay? Systematic Theology 101. Christology Class 1. Stephen Pierce out of Africa. Okay. And so the title of this message this morning is this, and we're talking about contentment, okay? That's what we started last week. We spoke about the, the, the contentment with the circumference of your life, that Christ should be in control of that and, and, and the focus of that. But today we're going to speak about the centrality of Christ, the core of contentment. The centrality of Christ, the core of contentment. Please, Jesus, as we share this word, help me to rediscover that theology is not boring, that doctrine can be passionate, that, Lord, the truth of God is something that we hold dearly in our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans eleven thirty six. Okay, that's going to be a text that we're going to be looking at and use that as our core text this morning. Romans 11.36 says this class, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. There is no one else who should get the glory. To Him, from Him, through Him, it's all about Him. Get it right, class. This is 101, systematics. you got 201, 301, 401, 501, and you're going to go on on the 101, on the 01s forever. We're always learning about Jesus. In the previous class, we spoke about being content with the circumference of your life. Today in this seminary class, in Christology 101, we begin by this statement. All that our life consists of is put there by God. It's not happenstance. It's not circumstance. It's not stance. It's not fate. It's not anything else. It's put there by God. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. And if it's put there by God, then He can take it away and remove it. For purposes known only to Him. You know what? Get used to this, class. He doesn't have to tell you why He's doing stuff in your life. Because He is God and you ain't. You ain't God. You might think you're God, but you're not. Health, job, material things, spiritual blessings. God does not play with them capriciously. But for our good and for our focus, 
that we may gain perspective that everything belongs to Him. And in the circumference of my life, my focus is not on the stuff, but it's on Him, Christ, the center, the core of my very being. Colossians 1, 17 is a great reference point here, class. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below. Those of you who studied, studied angel, angelology with me in a previous class know that we're talking now about angels. Everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence. And He holds it. He holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, He organizes it and holds it together like a head does a body. Okay, let me offer to all you prospective theologians out here, because you're in my class, and you better pass this course, otherwise you're going to deal with me. Many of you believe in, a, in something called creatio ex nihilo. Well, don't. Don't do it. God never created this world out of nothing. Come on now, I know I want to get some emails from this. Steve, man, you've gone down the road you should not have gone. God never created this thing out of nothing. It's a class. You can ask a question. Creatio ex nihilo. Creation out of nothing. Good point. God created the world out of himself. And he's not nothing. He spoke and it came into being. He ordered it. He said something. I don't know what he said. He might have said Jesus. But he, to say that create. You find for me in the Bible where it says God created the world out of nothing. This is systematic theology, folks. We're going to be studying this. Find in the Bible. It's a doctrine that we all adhere to. But God created the world out of something. Himself. Man, come on. Come on. Verse 18 of Colossians 1 says this, Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. And so he is first in everything. The centrality of Christ, the core of contentment. It's told the story of Charles Wesley, one of the Wesleys. Wesley came over um, to America to do revivals. He came to preach and, and teach us pagan heathen about Christ. He wasn't saved. How do you do that? Well, he came and he had a pretty miserable time. But on his way back, there was a huge storm in the ship. And, oh, no, no, it was on his way over. I apologize. There were a bunch of people called Puritans. Yeah. And these guys, there was this massive storm. You know what they did? Well, they tore up their hair and they ripped their clothes and they said, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. No, they didn't. They prayed and sang to Jesus. 
Because their focus was not on the storm. It was on the sender of the storms. It made such an impression on Wesley that when he got back to England, he sought out a prayer meeting and he found Jesus as his Lord and Savior because of the influence of these godly, godly Puritans. Christ is the focus. He is the center. Okay. He is first in everything. Now, bear with me here. Colossians 1.18. We need to exegete that text a little bit. The Greek word for first or preeminence is the word protuon. And it means first place or the most important place in the room. The root word in Greek is the word protos. Now, you all know what proto, a prototype. The first one, that's where we get our English word. And so the intention of our sovereign Lord and good theology class is that Christ must be first. The place of preeminence is given to Jesus. That's the place reserved, set apart, and held for him. Anyone else occupying that place is a usurper. Or as Freddie Mercury used to say, hey, I'm the great pretender. And there are many pretenders that want that place. There are many. Was it Freddie Mercury that sang that? Come on, help me now. Oh, it was. Yeah, no, it wasn't Freddie. No, he ain't plucking his guitar anymore. Um, uh, yeah, no. I can't. Now, you all go, who is it? Think. All right. Whoever it was said that. There are many pretenders. We all went sideways there for a while, class. Now get back on trap. Because I tell you what, in my class, I know there are many people that want to chase rabbits. I'm not doing that. Okay, we're not doing that. But there are many people, folks, that want the place of preeminence in your life. There are many contenders and pretenders that want to get their place. The place that's reserved for Jesus alone. The Bible's words are quite Specific. The Bible says here, so he might be first. Now, if I was teaching a, a New Testament Koine Greek class, I would say to you that that word might be first, the word might is in the subjunctive mood. And I'm going to ask our resident Greek scholar. Who's sitting? Where is he? Kale, where are you? No, okay, he's, he's taking, uh, he's ducked below the desk here. The subjunctive mood in Greek means this. I hope I'm going to get a nice lunch. And I hope somebody else is paying for it. The subjunctive mood offers the suggestion that it may or it may not happen. Because in life, as we know it, Christ may not be first in your life. That's the truth. He may not be fast, uh, be first. And so that's the way that Paul wrote this. That he might be first place. Simple terms. It's God's greatest desire. It's his greatest desire that he hold first place in your life. And to that end, he sent his one and only son to be crucified for once and all for the atoning sacrifice for your sin. Christ is the focus. He is the preeminent one. And my prayer is that he might be that one who is just the first place. 
You know, when I uh, played golf this week with Stan and Brad, uh, I, I want to be extremely honest about this because when I was going down about the second fairway, I discovered Christ was not preeminent in my life. Okay, I had already lost about five golf balls, and uh, my sanctification went out the one door, and, and, and other things went out the other door. And it was, it's very hard. It's very hard to do that. And you know there are occasions in our life when it is hard. It is hard that, that we realize, hey, this, this is terrible. This is bad stuff is happening, man. Bad stuff. But Christ must still have preeminence when bad stuff happens because He is the focus. He is the center. And so, let me make a couple of bold statements about Jesus. Firstly, John 5. The whole Bible is about Jesus. Yeah. John five thirty nine to 40. Search the Scriptures, for in them... You think you have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. You know, Charles Spurgeon used to say, when I read the Old Testament, I run cross-country to Jesus. You can find him in the Old Testament. You can find him in the New Testament. You can, in the Old Testament, it's Christ concealed. In the New Testament, it's Christ revealed. The whole Bible is about him walking along the road to Emmaus with two confused believers. Listen to the conversation, Luke 24, 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that's a long walk. He interpreted to them, in them, all the scriptures. The things concerning who? Himself. Himself. The Bible is about Jesus. Secondly, History is about Jesus. That's why we theologians refer to history as his story. It's his story. Aristotle. Now, Aristotle was a pagan uh, polytheistic worshiper, worshipped many gods. He called Jesus, listen to what he said. He said, the Christ is ha'u kinuminos kinei. Now, you know what that means, don't you, resident Greek scholar? That would be you again. Not this time. Okay, all right, we're going to get this. He is the unmoved mover. There was a song we used to sing back in the day. He cannot change, for he is God. He cannot change. He'll see you through. He is God. He is the unmoved mover. Ha'u kinumenos kinei. Thirdly, the universe is about Jesus. I don't care what anybody else says, frankly. I'm too old and grumpy now to wait. And I don't know how much time I've got left. I can't waste it on other junk theories. The universe is about Jesus. Psalm 19 verses 1 to 3 say, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. The heavens declare the glory of God. Our life is designed by God to be about Jesus. Colossians 3.17 says this, And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by them. 
Paul the Apostle was very clear, and he spelt it out in 1 Corinthians 10.31. He said, Whether therefore you eat or drink whatsoever you do, do it all for the glory of God, because the glory of God is the central thing, because Christ is the center of your life. His glory sat here this morning with tears rolling down my face as our worship team met you hit the nail bam on the head and you drove it home it was a it was spirit inspired worship i was weeping as i thought one day i'm gonna see his face oh lord i want to see his face don't you In John 15, 5, it says, If a man remains in me, in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And then I love this. Because, of, oh, but, but apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. What I notice here is that we have a purposeful plan. We have a particular pattern. But also we have a painful problem. Let me ask you, folks, what can save America? Uh, It's a rhetorical question because I don't want you to tell me. What can save America? Let me tell you that neither a donkey nor an elephant can save America because a lamb wants to. A lamb wants to save America. It's about the lamb. Our salvation is found in Jesus. Liars and false prophets will say, I had somebody say this to me. Oh, man, I just want to throw up when I hear this. All roads lead to Rome. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you call God. Uh, you'll, you'll get to the right place in the end. Liar! Liar, 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 liar! Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus! They are so scared of saying the name Jesus. It's exactly who Peter declared him to be. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's not a dead marble statue adorning a grave. He's not a fading painting hung on someone's bedroom wall. He is not a dead and buried God. He is a living God, the center of our existence and the secret of your life is to make him the very center, the ground of your being. The theologian Leslie Newbegin said this, Christ is only rightly known when he is honored and obeyed as the cause and cornerstone of the universe. He is the starting point from which we can make sense of this whole confused world. So here's a clear application. You know, you can study religion from many different points of view and many different methods. But you cannot study God lest He reveals Himself. And God has chosen to reveal Himself in two ways. One is called general revelation. The world around us. The fact that spring, summer, autumn, winter follow uh, uh, after each other is not there by some coincidence. It's there because God made it like that. Yes, ma'am. The fact that God set things in order. The universe, the universe, the order, the general revelation, the way we see how things are made. We might not understand why. 
But it makes me think there's a creator. If I'm sitting on a desert island and a watch happens to float up on the beach, I pick the watch up and I say to myself, you know, this is amazing. This watch kind of over uh, uh, hundreds of millions of years kind of fashioned itself together. It's very in- intricate and it's very complicated. And that glass is beveled just the right way. And Man, all those gears just happen to be in place. No! No, no, no. I think to myself, somewhere there must be a watchmaker. When I look at the universe, that is so intricate and complicated and so profound, I think somewhere there's a universe maker. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the center of everything. But here's the problem. We have bifurcated theology. And I'm not trying to impress you with with fancy words, but I want to explain what bifurcation means. And you've seen it. If you have held a brad in your hand, ladies who do scrapbooking, you've seen the brad, it's got those two little tangs that come off the back of it. You open them up and put it through the hole, open it up. That brad is actually called a bifurcated rivet. That's the name of it. You know, I paid so much money to get my PhD to learn that. Okay, it's a bifurcated rivet. It goes in two directions. And our problem is, our problem in theology, listen, this is theology class. Our problem is we have bifurcated theology. On the one hand, we have a whole gang of people who belong to what I call the up arrow. Those who belong to the up arrow tribe have gone so far to remove God to being some benevolent Father Christmas who set the world in motion, but who either is unable or unwilling to change things or set them right. Why is there so much evil in the world? It's called the problem of theodicy. Why is there evil in the world? Well, God, they say, is either unable or unwilling to do anything about it. That makes him a terrible God. Secondly, there's the down arrow tribe. These are the guys, what they do, they have made God out to be one of us. He's my buddy. He's my pal. He's my source of a bit of extra help when I need him, when I need him now. We have bifurcated that. He's either out there and he doesn't care. He may have, I can believe in creation and and God set this world in motion. But man, he's certainly not around when I need him now. Secondly, he is around and he's my buddy that I can can hang on. And this sovereign, eternal, holy God becomes my pal. He is not your pal. He is not. He is God and God alone. John Calvin said, there's nothing that Satan endeavors to accomplish as to bring mists with a view to obscuring Christ because he knows that this means the way is opened for the introduction of falsehood. We must retain and restore pure doctrine to place Christ before us that we may see his excellence. God is neither up or down. God's here in my heart. He's the center of everything. Now, how about that? I'm done. But I want to... Who said amen now? <laughs> okay, okay. I wanted to... I wanted to... to exp, I wanted to explain this visually. 
because I'm a visual learner. So I want to just explain it visually. Okay, so we're going to start off. That's, that's, I want to say this is my life, it's also your life. It's fuzzy around the edges because that's, we don't have it clear cut, eh? <laughs> we don't have it all together. All my ducks are not in a row. Most of them died. Some of them I ate and I chased off uh, some of the others. So this is my existence. Now in my existence, I hope it's a happy little existence. I really want it to be. I think it'd be really cool if it was. So this is my existence as a human being on this planet. Happy Steve, okay? In the middle, in all of our lives, there is a special chair or place reserved for someone. That chair is reserved for the one who controls my life. Every one of us have a life and existence like this. We have a place, a room, a chair where Everything is organized from. Now, some of you say, yeah, my wife's on that chair. My husband, my mother-in-law, my whoever, all of us. And so, in my life, I have a wife, okay? I thought you might like that. I don't watch that series, but the good wife. She's a good wife, okay? I also have, uh, I have a couple of kids. I've got three kids, okay? Two of them around because, and there's always, there's always one that's not right, there's always one that never gets it right. A bit fuzzy around the edges again and, 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 and all that kind, kind of stuff. Then, of course, I have a very cute dog. Her name is Lulu. She's part of my life too. But now I have seven grandkids and I love them to bits. Okay? One, two, three, four, five, seven. Okay? I have seven grandkids and they're fantastic. I also have a couple of cars. Uh, what else do I have? Oh, yeah, I have a bit of money. Not a lot, but I've got enough. God has provided. Uh, I have all that stuff. I love to travel. I'll, this is this is me. This is Steve Pierce uh, and 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 what he's about. Anything else there? Uh, oh, I love rugby. This wussy thing. I think is it called football or something? You play men in tights, men in tights with padding. Yes, I know. Go watch the video of a rugby game with rugby tackles. They don't wear padding. Don't. Anyway, I love rugby. That's a rugby ball. Anything else there? Uh, oh, yeah, we watch movies. We're watching one at the moment called Lark Rise to Candleford. Anybody else watching that? Yes, yes. Coral is so cute. I love it. It's like, it's like, what's that other one about the rich people? Downton Abbey on steroids. Okay, so we, we like that. Okay, any more? Oh, oh yeah, by the way, uh, this isn't me. Because in the life of this person, it's all about them. They're sitting on the cross, oh, on the throne of their life. Christ is outside that life. He, he doesn't count. He's not a part of that. He doesn't feature in decision-making, in, in, anything, in any, anything in their life. So here is a de- here's the deal of the unsaved person. Christ is outside the circle of their lives. He doesn't feature in that. Right. I want to tell you about another type of person. Okay, let's do, oh, by the way, that's the chick I married. She's a fox, man. That was taken in Australia. We went to, she held a koala bear, very cuddly. Okay, and I'm gazing her at her with rapturous love. Okay, so now here's, here's another uh, kind of uh, person that exists in this world. And I'm telling you that this kind of person also is in the church. Okay, do it. Boom. Now, hang on. Christ is in the life, but he's just part of everything else. He's just, you know, I go to church on Sunday. 
you know, if, if uh, I do, I, I, it's not a big deal. But Christ is one of the many things in my life. Being a Christian is one of the many things. The stuff associated with being a Christian, reading the Bible and prayer, I'll do that when, when, when I feel the need or times get tough. But I've got real good friends that I can go to that I know have a better access to God than I do. But the, the cross, Christ, is just a part of everything else that's going on in my life. The, the, the chair, the throne room, the place uh, that, that's the center, it's still about me. And folks, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is, but when I was thinking about this, I had this crazy notion that the majority of people in the world, and I know this is a, just a wild statement, the majority of people in this world fit into that kind of scenario. Christ, I believe in God. You know, that's what people always say to me. Steve, I believe in God. Well, great. The devil believes in God. He does, and he ain't going to heaven. So here you have this, this, I guess many people will call it the normal life. Is that normal? No, folks, it is not normal. Here, let me describe to you the normal Christian life. That's what it is. Everything is organized around Christ. Everything finds its center and its reference point to Jesus. Many people come to me and they say to me, you know, how do I know God's will in my life? You know, I need direction. God does not give direction. He is the director. And if he is there, you have the direct door. God doesn't give guidance. He gives the guide. Don't you rather want the guide in your life? Then you've got to put Christ on the throne of your life. Otherwise, it all becomes just this confused potpourri, this this. This mess of stuff where Christ is just part of it. And I go to church, it's just part of it. But Jesus wants to be, and this class has been about Christ being the very center of my existence. He wants to organize your life and your world around him. I hear the bell ringing. So that means I'm done. It's a class. You can go from here today and you can say, well, you know, I learned something. I learned about bifurcation. I learned about the up arrow and the down arrow. But I wonder if you've learned anything about putting Jesus in the most important position, the position of honor, the position that, that he might have preeminence in, in your life, the position where he calls the shots where He calls the shots. He's got a lot invested in you, you know. His precious blood was shed. His death died that we might live, but not that we might live with Christ as one of the options in my life. He died that we might live a full and meaningful life. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross-culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. 
solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens, and the most energetic, safe, and fun kids program around. Find out more at crossculturelife.org. I want you to the cross. I want you to the cross. Cross Culture Church in North Rollins. Taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.